Folks, welcome back to The Enemies List. This is Rick Wilson, and my guest today is my friend Ken Friedman. Ken is the consulting producer for the new series, Giuliani, What Happened to America's Mayor on CNN. The first two episodes are out. It is an absolutely riveting look at a guy that both Ken and I used to work for. There was also maintained what was called an enemies list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. <laughs> I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. And without further ado, Ken Friedman, welcome to The Enemies List, and let's get into it. So first off, tell me your story with your time with Rudy, uh, because we didn't quite overlap. We were, I was a little after you. So tell me, tell me how you uh, started in the Rudy, in the Rudy verse. Well, you know, I had a, uh, I had a thriving consulting business, but I was living in Hell's Kitchen at the time, or as I called it, Hell's Living Room, 45th and 8th. Oh yeah. And, uh, and it was exciting, you know, it was an exciting time to be a young guy in the city, but it was also a threatening time. Right. So I found I found a guy who who knew Rudy, a guy named Herb Rickman, who, oh, who sure. had been. Yeah. You really? You I know the Herb name. Rickman? I know the name. Yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 was Koch's um, uh, gay and Jewish liaison. Right. Back in the day when 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 they had liaisons. Yes. Uh, and and he introduced me to Rudy at a salon, at a political salon hosted by a woman named Carol Hausman. I don't know if you knew I know, her. I've, she, I've heard the name. I didn't know her personally. I know the name though. Okay, so she owned Thirty Central Park South and the okay. building, and she owned and she and she lived in the penthouse, and she used to have candidates for office come and meet, you know, sure. the, the local the local movers and shakers, mm-hmm. and 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 I got to meet Rudy that night, and um, the next day uh, I was in his law office being interviewed uh, for his uh, communications job on the 93 campaign. Now, this was 92, right. early 92, February, right. if I recall. So um, we the didn't David have a Garth campaign. Era. It, was, it was really just a, the David Garth era. I actually was hired before David Garth. That's a, okay. that's a claim to fame, I guess, or infamy. <laughs> and and uh, so I, I went to work. I went to work uh, on a skeletal a skeletal crew. It was the uh, let's call it the administration in exile. You know, Peter Powers was there, sure. and Denny Young, uh, Howard Wilson, etc. And they were all working out of Anderson, Kill, Olick, and Ashinsky, the law firm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my office was Rudy's sofa and, and and side table. And I so I set I set about um, trying to um, improve and reestablish media relationships and political relationships from 1989. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he and I traveled, traveled the city for, you know, the better part of two years, uh, doing that and trying to extend his, uh, trying to extend his base. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, he got two and a half percent of the black vote in, in 89. Right. You probably know that. Yep, yep. And I, and I looked at him and I said, I, I could do better than that without even trying. So I, 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 I made some, friends in the African community, uh, African-American religious community, some right. Baptist ministers in Brooklyn. So I said, Rudy, let's go, let's go visit them and let's hear them out and, and, you know, see, see if, 
see if they possibly would support you. And he said, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, you know, they, 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 they didn't help me in, in, in 89, quite the contrary. They hurt me. Um, but I convinced them we got nothing to lose. It's early 92. Sure. Let's give it a try. Sure. So he said, so, so all the way to Brooklyn, he said, listen, it's a waste of time. Um, uh, they're going to ask me for how much money, how much walking around money and, right. and, and how, how many jobs I'm going to offer them. And I said, don't be so cynical. Okay. He was wrong. It was like three minutes. Okay? <laughs> it was like, we walked, we walked in the door. No sooner we walk in the door, how many jobs now? Well, obviously to get them to turn their back on Dinkins, we had to make some kind of an offer. Indeed. And, and he, 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 he swore on the way back that he would never do that again. And he never did. And, you know, people, criticize him for not not having relationships with the black community you know Sharpton mm -hmm. and 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 uh, you know and Wrangell at the time sure. and none of none of them were ever invented to city hall well the truth is they did nothing to help him quite the contrary they they hurt him and his thinking was why would I why would I extend an olive branch to people who are just who are just uh, you know uh, looking to hurt me um, New York Times the same thing I don't know if you remember in that campaign uh, they had a they had a bit of an agenda, and it wasn't yes. to support to support Giuliani. Um, and uh, so we had a couple of reporters on the beat who were killing us. And one of them, um, her name was Felicity Barringer. Okay, she asked. She made the mistake of asking us uh, how to get to Brooklyn for a um, oh, for God. a campaign for a campaign <laughs> stop. How to, how to get there by subway? And I said. That's all. That's all we needed. So let's just say we talked to our editor and we said, "You can't have a, you can't have a reporter covering a citywide campaign, particularly this this campaign, if she right. or he doesn't know how to get to Brooklyn by subway." He said, "You're right." Oh my god! <laughs> and then, he, and then he, re he replaced her with Todd Purdom, who killed us twice. As oh, well. I was just gonna say, Todd was not a merciful <laughs> character. No, he was not. Oh my! He was god. not. But he wrote. He wrote. He wrote a. He wrote a you know, got an infamous cover story for the Times Magazine. You know, was Rudy Giuliani the last, you know, will Rudy Giuliani be the last white mayor in New York City? And based on the demographics, you know, he wasn't supposed to win. And based on the right. voter enrollment, he wasn't supposed to win. Uh, but I watched him win, you know, every day through mm -hmm. sheer force of will, through mm -hmm. sheer force of will. OK, you know, we won without the New York Times, without New York one. They had the same liberal agenda, certainly without the, the African-American um, base. Um, and, you know, and, you know, we had a very strong in the in the in the outer boroughs, as you know, um, Staten Island threatening to secede certainly helped. Crown Heights, unfortunately, a terrible incident, but it kind of. Um, crystallized the whole the whole campaign sure and sure. um you know we lost he lost by two and he won by two so you know four point swing well it's a um you know it, it i think the documentary really covers that rise of rudy and that and and in a lot of ways people have it's not 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 it's not unusual but people have forgotten that era that mm -hmm. that rudy really had yeah and yes a lot of it was a coded or not so subtly coded racial appeal but they, I think a lot of people have forgotten that that desperation in the city at the time to sort of have you know some sense of normalcy and 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 rolling back of of the sort of quality of life things that were making it hard for everybody to live there. I think he, I think the doc really captures that moment where, as ugly as he did, and as ugly as the win was, it wasn't just um, it wasn't random. It was it was a big part of like. 
you know, he appealed to a certain part of the, the, the amygdala that made it, made it possible. Well, the truth is everybody wants to be safe and, 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 and prosperous and have a, have a, have a good quality of life. That's not, you know, in, it's not, uh, endemic to, you know, one race or one right. ethnicity. And, and, you know, if you go into, if you, we campaigned, we campaigned in the, in the, in public housing sure. and when we, you know, and, and his appeal was, was pretty broad, you know, we needed, we needed somebody to, to, you know, to improve law and order and, 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 and again, quality of life. It wasn't, you know, Dinkins just didn't have his hand on the tiller. Uh, and it wasn't right. his, it wasn't his thing. Now I, I, people say he was lazy and he was out of town. I don't know if that's true necessarily, but he, he didn't have the right, um, the right people, um, no, to I execute. Think, I think that was very true that, that, that Rudy ran such an unusual populism argument that, you know, it was it, because when we were there, it was never, Oh my God, what's the times think of us? We were much more concerned about, you know, the New York Post every day. I had an intern in 97. She rolls in <laughs> and she goes, um, and I asked her, I said, you, you know, if you want this gig, what, do, what are your reading habits? What do you think about every day? What are you, what? She says, well, I try to read the foreign policy stories in the Times first. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Go read page six. You want to work in this organization? Go read page six. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely right. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. And you know, one of the first things I did and continue to do for those two years was to nurture and improve that relationship. You know, Dave Seifman and I became... Good, good working. Um, yep. You know, we had a good working relationship, and we actually cast uh, Dave in in the second episode of, uh, I, I of our that. documentary. I noticed that. It's, it was yeah. one, one more moment where I'm realizing, like, oh God, we're all getting old. <laughs> no, just older. Not so, older, but so, gracefully. So, in this series, you guys really unravel something. I think everybody asks, and I, and I talked to John Avalon. Uh, another another alumni, another guy that that we both know, and 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 this question we've all, you know we always get asked by people is what happened. I mean, I think you guys do a really great job of sort of unwinding the threads about his behavior. But what's your theory of the case? What's the main thing that has led us from that moment where in 1997 we blow out a race because he's a hero to the city? for turning around New York. He's looked at as a model nationally for how you, you know, how you're a tough but successful mayor to standing in front of an audience, basically calling them to attack the Capitol and this collapse of his fortunes and his fame. And what, what's, what's the critical element in all that in your mind? Well, we draw a parallel, as you know, between uh, the, the police rally or mm-hmm. riot, if you prefer, in '92, and then the insurrection, and we uh, and we draw another parallel between the election in '89, and and Trump's uh, and you know contesting the election right. in, in in 2020. You know, Rudy Rudy claimed that you know African Americans voted early and often. You know, there were plenty of dead people voting. So, so, and I'm not answering your question directly. I'll get back to that. But we we all know, and you and I certainly know that. 
Trump ripped at least a couple of pages out of out of Rudy's playbook, Absolutely. and that's what that's what drew Rudy uh, Trump. That's what attracted Trump to Rudy. He said basically, "Come in and brief me on how you did it," right? Um, because I want to I want to I want to mimic that. So, I'll tell you something you may you may may not know. Uh, election night ninety seven, as you said, he wins. Handily, I think the early numbers though uh, were sixteen percent. Uh, Frank had it at, uh, you know, at, at and, and, and it and uh, that, it, you that, know, that it story project- that night. That story that night, he 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 ended up stepping on a great headline. Correct, he did. He and absolutely did. He, he we did. were riding around on the Rudy bus for forty-eight hours before, and everybody was punchy. And I heard him doing the interview. I'm like. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I, I Listen, I've talked to him about it over the years. He hasn't done it again. I, and yeah. he won't. But, but I, listen, he got, you know, he got ahead of his skis, and that, that happens. But it looked like not the, not the resounding victory it, 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 it right. was, because I think he came in at uh, the, the spread wasn't that. No, we, we, were you know, at 58, we were at 58 by the end. But in a city with a 5 to 1 Democratic registration advantage, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. that was, a, that was a, a hell of a moment. So that night, um, I, I, I won't betray who told me this, but he had a very small dinner. Um, yes. and he, uh, sounds like you may have been at that dinner, but he, he was depressed. <laughs> he was depressed because he knew no mayor had, uh, had gone beyond the office of, of, of mayor of New York city before. Right. And basically he was saying, where do I go from here? Um, and, and, you know, that's reflected in his second term. It was, you know, compared to the first, with all due respect, because you, you guys did a great job getting him there. It was lackluster because he had he had, as I say in the documentary, he he, he ironically, I think he accomplished too much in the first term and and should have probably paced himself a little better so that he wasn't left with small bore issues like like squeegee men and and and. Um, and jaywalking and, and graffiti and, and Brooklyn, and so and Brooklyn Art Museum and, and the Brooklyn Art Museum. And, you know, when that was happening, I said, he's playing right into their hands, man. The more the more controversy he stirs up, the longer the lines. And that's exactly what happened. And I and I, I remember telling telling him and other yeah. people that. Well, know, I, I, I can say this. I can say this. The, the boredom and the depression were those conversations about what to do in the future started that night. They were they were in in a pretty high key by the yeah. first or second week of February. I mean, we took a little time off after the election, but they were mm-hmm. in a pretty immediate like let's start talking about what to do. And it was you know it was the kitchen cabinet. It was it was Denny and Peter and Ray um, and Fran and Fran. Fran. Fran was around a little bit then, although Fran was transitioning out by that point. Right, um, right. But she was there on election night. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. And. And folks, we're, I'm sorry. We're, we're we're speaking we're speaking Rudy Code. I apologize um, too. Denny Young was one of his longest term friends and advisors, a very steady figure. Uh, Peter Powers, childhood friend. Fran uh, Ryder ran. Fran Ryder, who ran the '97 race. Um, and and Ray, Ray Harding. Ray, Ray Harding, Harding was head of the Liberal Party. Ray, as and as Ray would say, it is neither liberal nor a party. It's my fucking That's political funny. machine. It's what true. the fuck? I've heard him say that in a heavy uh, Slavic accent. Yes, no less. Ray Harding is yeah. a, one of the greatest characters in New York politics, and I'm proud to say that as 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 corrupt as Ray was, Ray was also uh, a great mentor to me. And he said to me one time when I came up there, he goes, uh, "I don't get it. You're fucking some guy from the south, but you don't seem to be a rube. So here's what we're gonna do." 
<laughs> oh my god so but, you know, but I, I don't know i don't know i want to tell you about ray yeah, harding yeah, yeah. Um, he he's the one in 89 mm -hmm. who convinced rudy to concede that night rudy was prepared to contest the election that night we don't we we, we touch on that in in the doc yeah the, the, the uh, election denier said, stuff is not i'm sorry ray said i'm told you know for the good of the city you need to concede this is the first african-american mayor you can't look like oh. you're you're contesting that, and you only lost by two. So you're 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 in the running next time. So right. so he did. He also was accused of having yelled "shut up" if you remember to his supporters, mm -hmm. and he didn't. And, and the last week of of the uh, campaign, That's right. the last week of the campaign, I I called Roger Ailes. And I asked him if he had a VHS. That's how old this story right, is. Right. VHS, a VHS of election night. And he said, yeah, yes, I do. Of Rudy's concession speech. And he said, yes, I do. Come on over. I went over to watch it. Sure enough, he didn't yell, shut up. He yelled quiet. And that made a discernible difference, I think, in the way he was perceived. And, you know, and you know better than me, people take the last image impression sure. that happened to the voting booth. So I gave that story to Todd Purdom and he set the record straight. He clarified that Rudy, because Rudy, you know, the, the thinking was, hey, if he can't control his own supporters and he's screaming and right, yelling, right. shut up at his own supporters. But he didn't. He wanted people to be dignified and to respect, the, you know, the new, the new, the, the mayor elect. That really was his thought process. Sure. Well, he, he certainly, I mean, that was the interesting thing. We used to joke about it. It was like, good Rudy, bad Rudy. And when Rudy was being good Rudy, he, you know, the, the good Rudy was the guy that at, at, you know, midnight, you'd hear that there'd been a cop injured somewhere and we'd get in the truck and go to the hospital. Bad Rudy was the guy who wanted to pick a fight with everybody all the time for no reason. On the way to the, on the, way to on the, the, way to the hospital. hospital, right. Or, or like yell at the weasel guy on the radio. You know, the weasel guy. Yeah, we wanted that footage badly, but uh, we couldn't we couldn't. Uh, I, we I, couldn't get it. you know, I have the uh, I mean, the, the audio. Right. It's it's W.A.B.C. owns the copyright to the audio. I, I that is correct. I do. I do track it down and play it once in a while uh, just that for fun. <laughs> but but not for commercial purposes. Correct. Like correct. Just for just for just for amusement at parties. Um, That's right. <laughs> but so so Ken. As we came ferret. out, by the way, Rick, Rick, it was a ferret, not a weasel. Oh, uh, no. Rudy says, you're obsessed with little weasels. The guy's like, I'm from the Long Island ferret fanciers or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Thank you. For oh, my God. So, so, you know, I think there are a lot of different places where you can sort of identify where the fall uh, started with Rudy. My, my take on it has largely been that. Because you know, by the time we got to the 2008 presidential, I I was only marginally involved because he didn't want to do it. I mean, he hmm. he wanted he wanted the, the the spotlight, but he didn't want to run a race. And they hmm. you know they still raised 200 million dollars and burned through it all. But mm -hmm. you could tell, and a lot of the, a lot of us who at that point were the alumni were like, he doesn't want to do this. He's, his heart is only like one third into this whole thing. And I feel like after that you know, after that failed venture that the, the decline kind of felt like it was accelerating, like the mm. more time in the grand Havana room, less time thinking big thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think of that? Like period between the end of 08 and the beginning of his involvement with Trump? Like what was, cause I had less and less contact with him as, as the Trump thing started and it got like more and more attenuated. And I kept, 
sort of like I, I I think I lost the thread on what was motivating the guy in the in those mm-hmm. very dark years. And does mm-hmm. that is that what led to this like really hard break into the crazy? Yes, uh, uh, but uh, let's let's go back. I mean, we were just talking about '97, and he had right. just you know won a resounding you know uh, uh, victory, and and yet he was um, miserable. He was d- miserable. Yeah, d- depressed. Well, the same thing happened in 2000, as you described as mm-hmm. presidential. His heart wasn't in that wasn't in that Senate Senate race either. And I you know I I know people who worked on it, and that you said in our doc that we couldn't get him out get him, get him out of uh, New York City. Oh, it was like, you know, and I, it was like detonating him to get him to go for an hour to fly up to, you know, Buffalo or somewhere. And every single time, it was just like, you know, agonizingly half-assed. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, if you have a reluctant candidate, you know, it's it's very hard to motivate him. And and I'm not saying he didn't have prostate cancer because he did. No, he did. But he had he had the kind of prostate cancer. He could have run a campaign. It was uh, uh, with that with that condition. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a, a truncated or, or you know. Well, a we we I, I can I can tell you this the the day that that Tony let us know that morning before he the before the big bust out on it, we did two things. One, I put all of our research staff on like finding the very best prostate cancer doctors' treatments, etc. I'm like, this is your job mm-hmm. now. Figure this shit out. Now, I, I think mm-hmm. he ended up having a recommendation beyond that. But, but, and the second thing we did was figure out how to run a Rose Garden campaign, mm-hmm. how to run a Blue Room campaign. And we, we had, we built, we built a plan. Yeah. Me and Teitelbaum and Miley and Goodman and, and a bunch of us, we, we built a plan where he could have still done it. He could have still run a campaign. But, you know, it's the combination of the girlfriend, the prostate cancer, and, and not wanting to do it. That's right. And Mike Tomaski, Mike Tomaski says in the doc that he, you know, this was the opportunity to to not run. Yeah, it was a get out of jail free card. You know, I guess so. Because he, but, he but hated, let me ask you. He hated the campaign. <laughs> yeah, hated the campaign. But did he think he he could or would win? Yeah, absolutely. And I did too. Honestly, I did too. Yeah. I, I you couldn't beat a celebrity without a celebrity. And Hillary was right. a celebrity, and Rudy was a celebrity, and. The, the idea of watching Rudy get her into a debate would have been, I think, I think it would have shocked her. I think it would have been a hard fought race. Rudy would have rolled up a, you know, 30 point lead outside the hundred mile radius of New York. And so mm-hmm. that's, you know, 35, 40% of the vote. Uh, he would mm-hmm. have been, she would have crushed him in Manhattan. He would have been very competitive mm-hmm. everywhere else. And he would have won the Island. I, that was my model. Yes, it would have worked out. And I Absolutely. did the math on it a billion times and we did a million different voter models on it. And I was confident he could have won that. We could have taken that race. Yeah. It, so was I. It's a counterfactual now, but you know, obviously when Rick Lazio got in the race, it made Hillary look like she was boxing with a, with a chipmunk, you know? So she, yeah. That, well, that was, he took, he took one, he took one for the team. Yeah. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah, decent guy, you know, decent guy. He is a he is so, a decent guy. I run into him sometimes. I yeah, I haven't talked to him for like ten years or fifteen years, but he's he's always been a a very good guy. He is a good guy. Too good, too good for the business. I think. Yeah, too nice, exactly. Too nice guy. Exactly. Yeah. As a listener to this podcast, you know democracy is in danger in America and beyond. This titanic challenge requires a powerful response, and that's why Resolute Square was founded. The Enemies List is part of the Resolute Square family. 
We're a pro-democracy network. The Enemies List is just one part of Resolute Square's pro-democracy content and coverage. Our members get particularly exciting benefits. Exclusive live roundtable discussions with me, Joe Trippi, Reed Galen, Stuart Stevens, and Tara Setmeyer. In those discussions, you can ask us questions directly, as if you are in the room at a campaign strategy session. In these sessions, we'll give folks answers on how to fight back against the crazy, how to push back against the MAGA media, and how to communicate effectively in the battle for our democracy. We're building a new arsenal for democracy, and we could use your support. Head over to ResoluteSquare.com enemies to let the world know where you stand. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Everybody's got a morning ritual. I know I do. And I want to feel like I'm getting my day going. I want to feel like I'm moving. And more than coffee sometimes, it's making sure you're clean, squared away, put together. You can get your day started by upping your shave game with Harry's sleekest razor yet, the craft handle. I like to use it because I've got to shave this giant dome of mine every day. So I got to keep it shiny. I have a beard, but I keep my neck clean front and back, do all the miscellaneous trimming. And the new craft handle, it actually is a lot more precision, at least that I found, with the new grip. I really like it a lot. You'll be getting quality shaving for a really amazing price. For now, they're offering the craft handle starter set for 10 bucks. It's a $17 value, so this is something you really should try. And if you don't like it, it's on them, guys. They stand behind the product. They guarantee it. How can you get a hold of the craft handle and the latest, greatest from Harry's? It's simple. Get it delivered to your door for 10 bucks at harrys.com slash enemies list. That's harrys.com slash enemies list. So one of the big questions, you know, and obviously the next two episodes are really get to our, to the nine, to, to the, to the nine 11 moment, which I think you and I've talked about a lot. And, and I think yes. we both agree that, you know, I wouldn't have wanted anybody else in the job on that day. I can't think of yeah. another human being in New York or anywhere else I would have wanted in the job that day. It was, it was, it, it, it was that moment where destiny called and he answered. Yeah. Um, no. But after that, I mean, Giuliani partners made him some money. It changed his life a lot. He, he did very well for himself for a while. And then we get to this Trump era and we get to this, this, this final f- sort of fall. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you guys handle that in the doc, because, you know, it really, it, that, that moment where he came to America's consciousness was not, it, it started in the mid or the late nineties, but then Oh one was the moment where his image became like America's mayor solidified. Everybody knew Rudy at that point. Everybody wanted a picture with Rudy at that point. The irony of that is it never got better. He he never got better after 01 in my mind. Mm-hmm. It always got darker and he always got less happy and less less in, less 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 of the good Rudy was present after I mean and look I get it. It's you know the worst PTSD in the universe I'm sure. But what's your take on the like the psychological impact of that day on Rudy personally? Well, I just, if I could, you know, the third episode is is a 9-11 episode. And um, in my efforts to get him to participate, I let him know that 
this is going to be as good a tribute as he's ever going to ever going to get. Whether he cares about his legacy or not, and mm-hmm. as you know, he says he doesn't. Everybody cares about everybody their cares about their legacy. And and, and and this is this is this is his time capsule. Okay, you'll 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 understand when you see it. Okay. okay? Yeah, yeah. And and I also said, listen, if you're going to do one of these, it should be this one because, frankly, it's me, and no one's going to give you a better shake than than I am. Um, and, you know, ensure that that we we portray the the, the man in full, as right. I told my colleagues mm-hmm. and, and the full full arc of your life and what formed you. And I and I, I hope we got to that in, in these four episodes. But post 9-11, I think, you know, it went to his head, frankly. All right. And, yeah. and you know, and it went to his head. And it's hard not to go to your head when you're knighted on both shoulders by by the queen and you're on the cover of time magazine and Oprah's calling you America's mayor. Uh, you know, it, it would be hard for me to keep my ego in check. And I think the same for anybody. And, um, people were throwing money at him. Oh yeah. And, and there was no Rick, there was no one to vet that money. I, and one of my jobs in, in 92, 93 was to vet, was to vet money. Okay. Yeah. And the, the, the finance department, the finance department hated me. They called me. They called me fucking Friedman, and which I took as a badge of honor because my job was to protect him and, and enhance the campaign. Right. Okay? And we wound up giving returning money, as all campaigns do. All right. Yep. But fast forward, now he's in the private sector. Everybody is tossing dough at him, you know, just for a grip and grin, for God's sake, sure. or to or to tell that tale of daring do uh, for the the hundredth time for a hundred grand a pop. Okay, that's very seductive. It's very hard to say no. no. And then suddenly, fast forward, these two Ukrainian thugs offer him five hundred thousand bucks for the privilege of working for him (laughs) in Ukraine. And that's where it really manifested itself. You know, his first gig, you know, with Giuliani Partners was Mexico City. So he and Bernie Carrick, he and Bernie Carrick flew down there. And Bernie (laughs) being a paragon of moral virtue himself. But but, 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 Bernie's still hanging around, you know, I show know. me your friends, yep. show me your friends. Yep. Okay. So he and Bernie flew down to Mexico city, met with the, the, the mayor and the, and the chief of police. And they told them they have a crime problem and, and they, they, they handed them a check for a million bucks and they got on the plane and they went home. I tell this story in another doc. I didn't tell this in right, this one, right. but, but that's easy money, man. That's free money. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you say no? You don't say no. Unless you have a guy like me around to say, Hmm. Bad money, dirty money, Rudy. It's going to come back and bite you in the ass later. So let's 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 leave that on the table, okay? But there were no checks and balances, no breaks, right. okay? If you right. will. And then Peter Powers, you know, passing Passed away, on. and then yep. Denny, and then Denny passing mm-hmm. away last year, yep. okay? Now there are no guardrails, nope. okay? None, and there's no one around who cares about him the way you and I did, frankly. Uh, you okay? know what? Because, uh, one of the things about Denny, Rudy respected yeah. Denny as a lawyer not just as a yes, friend. He and he that's, knew that's Denny true. had a better legal mind than he did. And Rudy has a good legal mind or had huh. back in the day, but he respected Denny's legal acumen at some level. And he would be like, okay, no, by the way, just a quick aside. So I mentioned earlier, the Rudy bus in 97, we have this, this bus, right. That we're driving around the city in this fucking school bus for two days, 48 hours of Rudy. And the last morning, we're rolling up to our last event and, and there's a big PA system on the bus. And Denny's like, please vote for Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. 
And I lean over to Denny and I'm like, Denny, declare martial law. You want to. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> you put that thought in his head. I did. Okay? I did. It's your fault. Yeah, it's my fault. Okay. And then he put the thought in <laughs> and then he put the thought in Trump's head. So on 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 elect the day after election uh ninety-three, yep. we did a sim we did a five borough uh tour also. Right, right. But 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 in a van, not a bus. We couldn't afford the bus yet. Um and Bob Grant uh Oh yeah. I, I, do you remember that? I remember what Bob. Happened? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so we had a scheduled interview with Bob Grant right. and we're in the car and, uh, and for some reason, Bob Grant referred to Dinkins as a monkey. Yes. And, right. um, <laughs> Jesus and, and Rudy and Rudy, and I'm sitting right next to Rudy and I, I said, pretend not to hear it. You know, I whispered in his ear. You didn't hear that. There's too much noise in the car, Bob. We can't hear you. Okay. So we, 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 we skated on that one. Uh, but that was the last Bob Grant, I, Bob Grant <laughs> interview we ever did. God Almighty! Well, I mean, he was helpful when he was good. But, right. I was just gonna you say, know, I, he was a giant, man. He was a giant. I, you know, one of my jobs early was to sit on um, Jackie Mason. Uh, who, <laughs> who, yes. I was assigned to babysit Jackie Mason because in '89 he had made some ill-advised remarks about Dinkins, which you probably remember. Oh, uh, yep. And uh, he called he called him the you know he said he looked like the washroom attendant at 21 and. <laughs> And he said he was, and then he said he was a fancy schwatzel with a mustache, and 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 he thought it was hysterical, and Raoul Felder thought it was hysterical. Oh God, a couple Ralph of rabbis, a couple of rabbis thought it was hysterical, and Rudy did, but nobody else thought it was funny. So so I was assigned to to keep a lid on him, um, and it wasn't easy, man. It wasn't easy because he kept arguing rightly in Yiddish. Schwatze means black. I said, yeah, but in English it means yeah, it's not know, the same, dude. Don't don't go there. <laughs> Don't go. Yeah, Rudy always had a weird like B tier celebrity group around him. Like, uh, I, I I would always like I, I like some nights it'd be, it'd be like, hey, Rudy wants to talk to you about whatever, and I'd go to wherever they were, and it'd be like Elliot Cooker and Jackie Mason and Rudy. I'm just like, what the fuck is this about? <laughs> Uh, he enjoyed he enjoyed being entertained by you know by court court jesters if he you will did. you know Elliot Elliot was his uh, his his acting coach. Oh, I remember. Believe me, Rudy, you must project <laughs> Pro- project so they can hear you in the back row. Actor, 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 actor. He is very dramatic. So, I got, I got so crosswise. I got crosswise with him one time. We were filming some inner circle thing, and and he kept coaching Rudy. I'm like, fuck it. God damn it, Elliot. I got cameras rolling here. We got three minutes to do this shot. Just please, just let him walk onto the motorcycle. That was when he dressed up as Elvis and oh, rode the I motorcycle. The oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. And I got, I, got in a, I got in a fight with Cougar that day. Well, yeah, but it was just more notoriously dressed up as Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, well, I, I, Rudia was – I'm the guy that filmed the thing where, when uh, Trump motorboated uh, Rudy in, the, in drag. I was there filming it. At that moment, I was like, "This can't go well. This is not going to end well. This will this will be infamous." <laughs> it's to to the, to this day. To this I think day, we notorious. Used, we, yeah, well, I think we cut we cut it because we had to cut you know for, right. for broadcast. Um, but he no, my um, old partner Adam Goodman I, I, and I were filming that day, and we were both looking at each other like, "The fuck is this?" <laughs> so you were you were complicit. Oh, okay? I'm uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, but to, but Elliot, I mean Elliot, I, I'm told that. That was Trump's idea to nuzz. To yes, it was Trump's idea. That was he ad libbed that. He ad libbed that. We were not expecting it. 
And you, you and I, just, you and I just made news because that's just, never been. Reported. I don't think it has. I don't think it ever has. But no, Trump, it has not been. Trump reported. did that. That was I mean, not in the script, and he like leans over. Rah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Ken. So next week we're going to get the next episode, the nine eleven episode. Yeah. There's one more after that. Yeah. And, there is. and I think the question that people will be asking themselves after they see this, they'll understand Rudy a lot more than they have in the past. They'll understand where this sort of decline and fall and tragic ending of the story seems to be coming out of. What do you think Rudy's future is? I mean, he's, he's getting up there and well, he's, well, I, I he doesn't said, seem to be I, healthy. No, I've said, you know, I've said this a few times, CNN, MSNBC and, and, in, and in print that, if his lawyer isn't telling him that your only goal should be to die a free man, he has the wrong lawyer, you know, and Bob Costello, he's a good lawyer. He's a good lawyer. He's a good, he's a good lawyer. And Trump's lawyers should be telling him the same thing. Right. And that's ultimately what guys like that care about. Okay. To, you know, to kick the can down the road long enough, not to wind up, you know, right. In jail and dying in jail worse yet. So that's, does he have a political future? Of course oh, no, not. No, no, God no. Does, does, does he have a legal future? Of course not. No, he's going to get disbarred. Um, he's going to get disbarred. Every, I think that's going to break his heart. It's going to break his heart. I again in the research for this doc over the last year and a half. You know, I knew a lot about him as you obviously do, but I learned a lot more. And sure. one of the things I was told that, to your point, the thing that would break his heart most would be to be disbarred in DC yeah, and New right. York. You know, he's been practicing law for what, 50 years, yep. give or take. And, I, and, I, uh, I said and that's this, how he, that's his identity. That's how he identifies. I said this to, to John Avalon earlier today in a different conversation. <laughs> the happiest I saw Rudy in the last 20 years, well, 15 years, let's say, was when he won that Activision case. Oh, he yes. had gone back and did actual lawyering and won the case. And he was, I mean, the guy, he was like, that's the good Rudy. That's the old Rudy. Because I remember talking to him right after and he was just like in such a good mood and like, here's how we did it. And I did this. And it was like blocking and tackling legal stuff. And he just loved it. And it's the same way, you know, people who were amazed that he, you know, that he, he presented the state of the city every year without, without, you know, a Chiron, without, um, you know, without notes. Yeah. Just just off the cuff, that's the way I'm told he was in a in a courtroom. And I I'm sorry I never got yeah. to see him litigate. I, yeah, I never I, did either. But it. Uh, but I'm told I'm told I was told we were told by guys he worked with in D.C. in, in the in the uh, attorney general's mm-hmm. office and and at uh, Southern District when he was a AUSA. He was the best of the best. Yep. He was the cream of the crop. Yep. Okay, they all said that about him. All right. And and they knew that he was destined for destined for great things. Yeah, it it I I think that's I think that's that is going to be the real heartbreaker when the disbarments really 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 hit him and and really knock him down. So Ken, when are we getting the next episode? It's next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, nine to eleven, uh, nine to ten. Episode three, episode four is is from uh, ten to eleven, and so three again is is focuses on. On 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 nine eleven and post nine eleven, and the next episode four are the Trump years, and you know we slugged them all each episode. The sure. first was myth, myth, mm-hmm. uh, or mythologizing, you know, his accomplishments. Right. Then the mayor, uh, and the third episode was um, was mar- was titled martyr, yep. the martyr, and the fourth one is unfortunately madman, and. Yeah. You and I both know there's something. Something there was a trigger there, and 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 it was maybe loss of loss of relevancy, loss of access. You know, politicians 
as well as anybody. Nothing matters more than relevance. You know, Ed Koch was relevant to the day he died. Yep. And, and I, I admired him for that. He's yep. still relevant, frankly. Yep. I mean, we still talk about Ed Koch. Yep. And that's the coin of the realm. All right. You lose relevance, you lose, you lose your yeah, and your I think identity. that's I think that's how Trump really seduced him because what at least in my time, Absolutely. at least in my time, I agree. Trump was sort of like a bit of a clownish figure in some ways. And, and mm -hmm. I, 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 one of the deputy mayors one time told me, he's like, yeah, Trump's a guy. We give him a couple of fucking parking passes. But other than that, he's just a loud mouth. Uh -huh. Because, I mean, look, he dealt, I mean, Rudy dealt with actual real estate developers that were the real thing in the city. Yes. You know, it's like you've got a, a Bernie Mendick on the one hand or a Donald Trump. Get the fuck out of here, you know. Right. Or, or Lou Rudin or, or a right, Donald Trump. Right. 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 Or a Tish and a Donald Trump. Right, but And I, 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 I understand that. Trump didn't get more than a couple of building permits. No, uh, when he was in never eight years. When we, 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 we were never, I mean, we were never like, uh, like, Oh my God, we've got to watch out for what, what Trump wants. It was never right. like that. But, it, but if, but if, if Rudin or Tish or, or Mendick or anybody else, you know, got a cold, we got a fever and it was like, right. Take care of this. Right. So, right. 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 Well, so it was quite the contrary. You know, my wife told, uh, an anecdote to Rolling Stone, which actually served as the catalyst for their ill-fated film. They pulled the plug on that documentary. But she she took Rudy to breakfast. She was the deputy finance director in 93, my wife, Liz Bruder. Right. And so she took Rudy to breakfast at the plaza, which Donald owned at the time. Yep. And, and she had worked for him and Ivana uh, doing events at the plaza. Mm -hmm, so she mm -hmm. knew them both. And it, Rudy said, whispered in her ear, don't let him pick up the check. I don't want to owe him. You know, I don't want to be yeah. beholden yeah. to Donald Trump. Yep. And that, even for a breakfast, right? Just for a lousy little breakfast. So sure enough, sure enough, the waitress, you know, says, uh, Mr. Trump is, uh, has picked up your check. And Trump was sitting a couple of tables over. He waves to them. And Rudy then leans over to Liz and says, go tell him I'm paying and so my poor wife, then girlfriend, I mean, I fell, I fell in love with her then, though, right. I got to tell you, because she got up and on her feet, she walked over there and said, Donald, thank you so much. Rudy really appreciates it, but he can't accept your gracious uh, offer because it would violate the campaign finance law. <laughs> it was probably like a $50 breakfast and he bought it. He bought it. It's probably the last time he said, and grudgingly said, okay, all right. But, you know, they pulled the wool over his eyes. Oh, you my know? God. And, 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 you know, when he when he claimed to have fixed the skating rink in Central Park. It's all bullshit. Is, he didn't, yeah. It's all bullshit, except he did pay for the- The carousel. Uh, for the yeah. Yes, the he carousel. Paid for the carousel. True, he did pay for the carousel, but he also paid for the, the cooling, the coils under the ice. He did well, do that, but he stood on that ice like he had, you know, that he had, you know, that he had, uh, that he had, you know, had poured the water in there and frozen <laughs> it. And, yeah, yeah, but he didn't. Well, so uh, I don't know if I got to your answer, but there's a certain mania. There's a mania yeah. about him, or has been, okay, and and it's a mania for relevance. It's a mania yeah. for money. It's a mania for access. Um, and, 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 you know, you get reckless. Oh, when believe, get, believe when me, when they, when they, when they, after nine 11, when they could, when, when Chris or, uh, Hennick or Tony could get on the phone with Carl Rove or the president, uh, at any time, uh, they liked that. Rudy loved that shit. He loved being on air force one. He loved that stuff. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take you back to, um, when the plane, when the flight went down and, Center Morich's 
Um, right. And uh, so Rudy raced out there in what they called the fucking uh, ice cream truck. Yep. Remember that? I and remember. he was stopped. He was stopped at the the Queens Long Island border by Pataki's uh, security people or cops. Right. And and was told, "We got it, Mayor. We'll we'll take we'll take it from here." And he said, "No, no. The plane took off from New York. It took off from Kennedy. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it crashed in Long Island. That state that state property. So Rudy was left, as you recall, with nothing but the." manifest where's the manifest i want the manifest right. give me the manifest and you know what that was terrible because the airline wasn't prepared to release the manifest because they hadn't yeah. determined yet who was alive and who was dead okay that was an awful thing but that's all he had and all the way back i'm told he vowed if he if there's ever a a, a tragedy like that on his soil he ain't sharing that that camera frame with anybody else yep. and he didn't well he never did well, Ken, thank you so much for coming on today. I, this has been a great conversation, and uh, and I hope we gave people a little bit of a history lesson about the uh, uh, a, a, a guy who has gone off the rails in our day in our time, but it was a consequential figure in uh, in America and in New York City. So, thank you again, Ken. You're welcome. Today's honorary inductee on the enemies list is Matt Schlapp. Most of you have heard of Matt Schlapp. Matt's the chairman of CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, and the American Conservative Union. Now, Matt has long been a guy who was a Washington insider, a classic, a kind of wheeler and dealer inside the conservative world who validated for the great unwashed masses out there in Republican land, the conservative bona fides of individuals across the country who were running for office. And Matt and his wife, Mercedes, have made millions and millions and millions of dollars doing two things. One, they're D.C. power brokers and super lobbyists in Washington, doing everything from representing major corporations to selling pardons for people who had gotten crosses with the law during the Trump era. But their central claim to fame is, of course, running CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee Conference, which seems to happen about every five minutes now. It's gone from being just CPAC in Washington, D.C., to a global phenomenon. There have been CPAC conferences in exotic foreign lands like Hungary and Brazil and Texas and Florida and everywhere else. And yes, I deliberately called those two crazy states foreign lands because I live in one of them. But long, long ago, Matt decided that CPAC could be even more profitable if he would involve Donald J. Trump. Now, this happened well before the 2016 election. And Matt decided that he would become the gatekeeper of this new populist wing of the party. You know, initially the Tea Party types made the ACU types rather nervous, rather skeptical. They thought there was a lot of wild populism that wasn't really part of the Republican flavor. But because Matt wanted to sell CPAC tickets, and because Matt wanted to keep increasing the crowd size for the conservative room Springa, he invited Trump into the fold. And as time went on, the audience of CPAC became more Trumpish and less conservative. Now, why am I looping back around on all this? It's because for a long time, Matt was the guy who would pick and choose who the conservative darling of the season was. Sometimes it was Ted Cruz, but when it became Trump, it went all in. Now, why am I, again, bringing this around to Matt? Well, because there are accusations now out from a staffer on the Herschel Walker campaign, which are contemporaneously validated by text messages and accounts by the Walker campaign itself, that Matt pushed himself sexually on a campaign staffer in October of last year during the peak of the Walker campaign. 
You know, the thing that gets me most about this case is that as someone who's dealt with an organization that's had a crisis with someone who behaved inappropriately, is the Republicans have drawn the shield wall around Matt Schlapp. And Matt is denying it, of course. But, buddy, I'll tell you something. I've been to this rodeo. I've seen this show before. If you're gay, you're gay, dude. Who cares? If that's your thing, God bless. Go do. Enjoy. Have fun. Be appropriate. But for a wing of the party on the Republican side that accuses everyone of pedophilia, for a wing of the party that accuses every gay person now of being a groomer, for a wing of the party that's eagerly trying to overturn gay marriage, for a wing of the party that holds everyone else to a standard of behavior that they clearly are not meeting themselves, Matt, you're on the enemies list this week. Now, I would normally tell you to get your shit together. However, you need bigger help than this podcast. So get your shit together, Matt. Have an honest conversation with yourself and your wife and figure out your life and stop trying to fuck staffers. So Matt, this week, you're on the enemies list. Thanks again for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. <laughs>